0: We're so glad you're here to listen to this week's sermon from Park Street Church. Park Street is a historic congregation located in the heart of Boston. But more than that, we're a community of people from all different backgrounds who believe and are united by the good news that Jesus is Lord. Visit us at parkstreet.org to learn about our community. So, I'm going to start with a story about a boy who lived in China until he was 17 years old. And then he was adopted by his uncle here in Boston. So he came to Boston. His name is Charlie Song, or Charlie Sung. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? No. I've shared about him before, but you weren't paying attention. I like that. <laughs> so here we are. We're going to do it every time. No, I'm joking. So Charlie was adopted by his uncle, and he worked in Chinatown at a tea shop. And he worked for his uncle very hard, but that wasn't his dream. His dream, like many, when he came to Boston, is he wanted to go to university. He wanted to get an education. He worked for his uncle, who had adopted him, and he asked him, can I now go to university? And his uncle said, no, you are too good of a worker. You're doing such a great job. Stay in this tea shop and help us do well. Charlie did not like that answer and so Charlie ran away from his uncle kids don't get any ideas (laughs) He ran away and where did he go? He went to the harbor the very harbor that the missionaries left from from this church to go to hawaii He went to the harbor and he jumped in a ship and he was a stowaway Stowaway where he's hiding and just trying to get away from his problems in boston I think some of us have felt that way at times here and so he stowed away, but he got hungry And so he left his hiding spot and went out for some food and the workers on the ship found him. And they brought him to the captain of the ship. And the captain of the ship was a Christian. He could have thrown him overboard. He could have arrested him and brought him to the authorities. But instead he said, Charlie, if you promise to go with me to church when we get to North Carolina, I'll let you work on this ship. Charlie thought it's better than swimming with sharks. I will go to this church so he went to the church and over time he got to know the gospel the love that god has for us in jesus and this gospel touched charlie's heart and he realized that he could be a child of god through this gospel he could be adopted by god a loving god instead of adopted by an uncle who just wanted to work him work him work him so he was the first baptized person, international, Chinese person, in North Carolina. And then he goes on to what is now called Duke Divinity School. So he got a chance to go to university, and he went to Duke Divinity School. And my family has a tie also to this story, because my father-in-law is from Hong Kong, and he also went to Duke Divinity School uh, for his studies. So we feel a little tied to this story. Charlie then realized that Duke wasn't so great at missions, so he switched to Vanderbilt. So you can see, once you get in, you just, you know, you turn them down. That's how, he he got the uh, message pretty quickly in America, you know, Duke, thank you, no thank you. And so he went to Vanderbilt, and he finished there. They were more interested in missions, and from there, he got ready to go back to China. He went back to China, and he actually struggled as a missionary, as many do. It's difficult to be a missionary. He's back in his home country, Dealing with foreign missionaries. It was it was kind of difficult and eventually he's stopping a missionary and He actually became a businessman and his uncle was right. He's a good businessman and he ended up being a producer of Books and he'd uh, be able to put them together and, and make them cheaper and he made them cheaper than most Europeans So all of a sudden he was in charge of all the book per- producing in China or at least a large part of it And he also produced Bibles and he uh, made them cheaper and a lot of people got to read the bible from charlie Song. but that's not actually what makes him a historical figure of note he also loved his family he loved his family and he taught them about the love of god and how they're adopted into god's family they're not just charlie's family they're god's family and he sent his kids to study also in new england Many of them went to Wesleyan College, and some went to, one went to Harvard. And then they went on, and they married some pretty important people in modern Chinese history. One married Sun Yat-sun, who's the father of modern China. When they were switching from the emperors to modern China, he was the man in charge. And another of them married Chiang Kai-shek, who then left and went on to lead the government to Taiwan before these two men married his daughters he required them to be baptized and so they they were they were baptized they're pretty important people but you gotta do what you gotta do to marry the girl you want to marry so I got to go to Nanjing once when I lived in China and I got to see the tomb for Sun Yat-sun and I got to see it and I was reading, it's translated in different languages. I was reading it and trying to understand, wow, the things I'm reading here are quite different than what I would expect from a traditional Chinese man. I can see things that were similar to the gospel: love and community and charity and all these things. And I was like, wow, this guy sounds like a Christian. I didn't know anything about him or any Chinese history at that point. And then I came to realize this story, and it's linked to Boston. I share this story with you just to know that Charlie's song was adopted badly first, but then he got to know God, and he realized he was a child of God, and he did many amazing things. That's the God we serve. That's the God we can know and love. Let's take a look in Galatians, the Bible passage for today. Galatians chapter 4. It's on page 974 in your pew Bible. Galatians chapter 4, 974. Normally I do student ministry, and if you know anything about student ministry, you've got to have food to get them to read the Bible with you. So we usually read the Bible with lunch or dinner, and we have these Bible studies, and often we spend time in the Gospels. And so I spend a lot of time looking at Jesus and what he did, and it's beautiful to now look in Galatians with you today, because I see how intense this paragraph is. We're only going to look at half a paragraph. And in that half a paragraph, there's so many great themes, so many great ideas, and it helps us understand what was Jesus doing, and why does it matter, and how should I live in response to it. So the epistles, or the letters, are so important to our understanding. If you just look in chapter 4, verse 4, here, there's a lot of great things in this passage. It talks with the incarnation, and it says here, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And that's why this passage is often read at this service. It also talks about redemption. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under law, to redeem those who are under the law. Redemption, redeeming. So God has bought us at a price and redeemed us from slavery. And then it goes on to talk about adoption. Jesus was given so that we might receive adoption as sons. Then it goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God wants you to know his love. He sends you Jesus' spirit in your heart so that you can pray and call out to your God as your father. This is beautiful. But this isn't the focus we're going to have today. Those are all great things. They're all worthy of different sermons and I hope you spend time in it maybe today or soon but we're gonna look at the last verse the last verse of this passage is going to be our focus so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God the title of this sermon is from slaves to children of God from slaves to children of God. Why are we looking at this part closer? I think it will encourage many of us, many of us in our walk. We are no longer a slave, but a child of God and an heir of God. What does all this mean? And how can it help us live this day, or this week, or the year ahead? There are three things that we need to know and understand about this passage. One, We are no longer slaves. Two, we are children of God. And three, we're an heir of God. You are no longer slaves. Most of us don't feel like we're slaves. So what is this telling us? Jesus says in John, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. Jesus is the son and he sets you free But it also says Everyone who sins is a slave to sin everyone who sins according to Jesus if you sin you're a slave to sin We all know that we sin right? Jesus said if you hated somebody you murdered them in your heart Who has not hated someone? This is Boston, right? (laughs) Galatians were slaves to sin. They got to know the gospel in Jesus, and he freed them, but they were in danger of going back, going back to being slaves again. Some were saying to them that you need to become Jews to become a Jesus follower. You need to be circumcised. You need to do the Sabbath in this exact way. That is why Paul in the next paragraph is saying don't go back to being slaves. Don't add to the gospel requirements. Here are the holidays. Here are exactly how you must celebrate them this exact way. Here's exactly how you dress. I want to talk about dressing for church. My job when I'm not preaching, which is not very often, I'm normally a greeter. And I greet at the front door, and I get to open the door for you. Because I think if you go to a fancy restaurant or a fancy hotel, There's a man there usually to open your door. And I feel like if you're coming to God's house, the door should open for you. But I also get a chance to observe what you're dressing and all this jazz. And it's kind of fun. I say hi. And I love this church because some people dress in a fancy attire. They want to show God honor. And I love that. That's beautiful. And those people are usually, you know, usually of the the older clientele. And then the younger people, (laughs) they often want to emphasize... uh, god's love and and grace and they dress down and they chill out and that's how student ministry is and i normally am not wearing ties and such and they come in in jeans and such and i love that this church is welcome to both my favorite though is when somebody in their 20s switches it up on me and somebody in their 20s walks in with this three-piece suit and i'm like wow there's a kid taking it seriously or somebody in their 70s comes in real cash and i'm like all right this person's friendly and inviting and, I, and hopefully we're doing it out a love for God and love for our neighbor. And I think that's a beautiful thing, and that's what we want to grow in at this church. But sin is a real thing. And in Galatians, people were attacking the gospel and trying to add to the requirements of the gospel and tell them they must do this, it must be circumcised, all these things. And it's a big deal. Sin is also a big deal to Paul. In Romans chapter 7, He talks about the grip of sin in his own life. He says, I do not do what I want to do. And what I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. That is a picture of struggling with sin. Paul struggled with sin. If he struggled with sin, it's a real challenge in our life as well. The obvious sins are a real danger. Addiction to alcohol can ruin our life, addiction to drugs or porn or gambling. They can ruin our lives and our families. These will obviously ruin your life if you become a slave to them. But more subtle sins can also enslave you and rob you of joy. Good things that then become the ultimate thing. They become your full pursuit. If you're a professor seeking tenure, this can become your full pursuit and can make you a slave. If you're a lawyer seeking partner. This can become your full pursuit and make you a slave. If you're a student and you want to get good grades so that you can then become a professor or a lawyer, this can become your full pursuit and make you a slave. You can be a slave trying to look good, trying to be popular on social media. I'm just looking for a like. Or in real life, you can become a slave to all these things. These are good things. That can then become a slavery situation for you. One of the most common slavery lies in Boston is that education produces salvation. People don't say that education produces salvation, but you can tell they believe it. How much time they put into education, how much money goes to education. This is why people spend so much for it. Education's a good thing, but it saves no one. The second part of this verse, it says we are children of God because of Jesus. And I want you to know I've, I've chosen the NIV translation a little bit here. Uh, the ESV is great, and it sticks to the original, and it's talking about being a son, and I think that's beautiful. And there's something very awesome about how Jesus is a son, and he's calling us a son. In those days, inheritance went through sons, so it's a compliment to everybody. But just so that we're clear that it includes everybody, I'm using the NIV. We are children of God. All of us. We're children of God because of Jesus. How is that? We're children of God. Unbelievable. Children of God. No matter who you are, no matter if you're famous or successful, you're a child of God. Even though we're imperfect and sin and are a mess, we're a child of God. Being an adopted child of God is to know his love. God sent his spirit into our hearts so we can cry out, Abba, Father. This means God. in God we are so loved that if we fail, we're still secure. What if I don't pass my exam, students might say to me? You're still a child of God. What if I don't get that job that I want or need? You're still a loved child of God. What if I'm not famous or accomplished like many seem to be in Boston? You are still a loved child of God. What if I never marry? Or have kids You're still a loved child of God God wants you to know this and to experience it in your heart That's why he sent his spirit so you can cry out to God as your father Do you know and feel that God is your loving father? This is my prayer for you Tim Keller said the gospel is this we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe Yet at the very same time. We are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope Sinclair Ferguson writes the notion that we are children of God His own sons and daughters is the mainspring of Christian living our sonship to God is the apex of creation and the goal of redemption. Let's look in the Bible. In 1 John it says, How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Earlier we read in John's Gospel, chapter 1, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We still have a job to do. We need to receive Jesus, we need to receive the gospel. We need to believe in his name. But if you do, then you are a child of God. The last part of this verse goes on to say we're not just a child of God, we're heirs of God. Why is it important to be an heir of God? And what is it, an heir or inheritance? Because it means you're a real child of God. You're not like a child of God for a little time, and then, and then you're not. You're a child of God that inherits what God has. I know something about this. My father died two years ago, and he was very generous to me and my siblings. And in fact, this tie that I'm wearing today, it is a gift. It is my inheritance. It's part of my inheritance for my father. My father was a businessman, and he was a slick dresser. I'll tell you what. And he has quite a tie collection. And his tie collection is now my tie collection. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you, in student ministry, I don't wear ties very often, and I'm grateful for that. But if I need one, I've got a good one, and I've got many good ones. So don't buy me a tie. I don't need one. (laughs) But inheritance, in human terms, comes with a loss of a parent, or a loss of an aunt or an uncle. So it's, it's mixed, right? My mom died 30 years ago this year. I miss her so. She gave me a sweater, a Christmas sweater. Now you would deem it an ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> 30 years ago, style does change quite a bit, I will say. But I only wear that sweater. Actually, she died in, I think, October, and the sweater came to me in November. It was a Land's End sweater. I guess they were slow in their delivery. And so I got this sweater after my mom was gone, and I wear it every Christmas. I wore it this year at Christmas Eve service here. And it was funny to watch people look at it. It's this humongous sweater. I was a huge kid and a uh, football player. It's, it's like, it looks like a sail, so big. And uh, people were like, nice sweater. And I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> but it actually means so much to me, more than any other piece of clothing that I own. It's my inheritance from my mother. You have an inheritance. That came at the cost of a son The son of God died so that you can be a child of God and your inheritance is eternal life and That inheritance will not fade. It will not have moths. It will never be destroyed You are a child of God and your inheritance is eternal life What would it look like if you lived your life knowing this and? living for God Let's look in Romans chapter 8. The spirit of himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In 1 Peter, it says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This inheritance you have is in heaven, and it's kept for you. James says, listen, my beloved brothers, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? We still have a job to do. Our job is to love God, to thank him for Jesus. But with that, you have an inheritance, eternal life in heaven for you. You are rich eternally because of Jesus. Amazing. Well, what should we do with all this? How do we then live? I asked my pastor, my old pastor in Baltimore, for a little help on this part. So I just want to give credit to him. Pastor Craig in Baltimore. Amazing man. Hope you get to meet him someday. Maybe in heaven. Great man. Where is your joy? Are you tired of living and feeling like an orphan? Are you tired of feeling like it's all up to you? That you're really all alone in the world? And while you tell yourself you're free and liberated, you are fighting the voices. You are what you produce. You are how good-looking you are, how smart you are, how much wealth you have. You are working harder, but enjoying less. You long to hear the voice that say, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter. With you I am well pleased. You can trust Jesus. Cast your self-centered, rebellious life on Jesus, and he will change your status in an instant. You say, I don't know how. Your yearning is already witness of your spirit drawing you to God. Just come. Pray to him. He loves you. You're his son or daughter. And he wants you to know that, and he wants you to experience it. I want to finish with a story. A story of a student. Yes, if you're a student of mine, you get talked about sometimes. That's how it is. I did get permission. I want you to know. I did. So this student was a student of mine ten years ago. His name's Earl. And he studied poli sci part-time at BU, and he worked part-time in the computer help desk. Who doesn't want to be friends with a guy who can fix your computer? That's this boy, Earl. So we became friends, and he came to our Bible study, and he had many great ideas, as you might expect a Master's of Political Science to have. And he shared a lot, you might not know, but in graduate school, sometimes Bible studies can be quiet. These intellectual types, they think a lot and speak a little. And it's, uh, it's always hard to draw out something from them, but they do share in time as they get comfortable. Not Earl, my friends, not Earl. That brother was made to speak, and he sp- spoke plenty. And I wasn't sure what to do with him and how to handle it. But Earl was special, he was a young Christian, and he just gave up a life of lots of struggles and challenges. He can share that with you. He wants me to share desperately, but I will not share his troubles. <laughs> But he came to my Bible study as a young Christian, and he had a love for God, and he had a yearning for the Bible, and wanted to know Jesus more. And, he loved homeless people. And it was really interesting. I never saw a grad student that spent time, so much time, with homeless people. They were in his phone. They were his friends. He would hang out with them, eat his lunch. When he was on break, he would eat lunch with homeless people around BU. It was really interesting and a little concerning. (laughs) Fast forward five years, and he's marrying this beautiful woman, Maria. MIT graduate. I don't know how he got her. Unbelievable. <laughs> but I go to their wedding, and I'm excited to cheer them on, and I'm sitting in the back of the small church it was in, and who's next to me? Homeless people. I've been to many Christian weddings at this point, This is, including my own. This is the only time I've seen homeless people at a wedding. It was amazing, and it made perfect sense, because that's who Earl was. Earl loved homeless people, and they were at his wedding. But I assure you, it was not Earl. It's God's love in Earl. Fast forward five more years. Earl's wife Maria, the amazing genius MIT one, now works at this church and helps out with—she directs the homeless ministry. So amazing. And who comes along with Maria? Of course, you, you get one, you get them both. You get Earl. And Earl's there. If you ever come and help out. Thursday night they have homeless ministry in the basement of this church or Saturday mornings if you ever come and I invite you to come Watch her Earl watch what he does. It is unusual Every homeless person is greeted it, not every but many of them who've come once or twice He knows their name he greets them by name and he gives them a big italian-american hug and they seem okay with it It's amazing. Earl, where are you? Earl, please stand up right here. Earl Why do I share about Earl? I share about Earl because he's not going to be in the newspaper. He's not going to be famous for doing this, and that's not why he does it. I know him well. This past year, a year and a half ago, he said, I want to do another ministry. He's, he's continuing with his homeless ministry. He just wants to add to it. You know, these overachiever types. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And he said, I want to do a soccer ministry, international students, That I I bring from BU and then refugees from Afghan refugees a lot of people in this church have loved Afghan And so they play soccer on Saturdays and Earl loves soccer. Don't get him started He'll tell you all about Liverpool blah 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 (laughs) and so There's this soccer ministry now that Earl also helps with and it's a beautiful thing But I assure you as I share about Earl and I say share about Charlie song It's really not about Earl and it's not about Charlie song These are examples of people that have been filled with God's love, and they know it. And they know they don't deserve it. And so they're happy to share with others who are in need. Charlie shared with his family, probably thought he would never be famous, and in some sense, he isn't. But everybody knows his daughter—not everybody, but everybody knows Chinese history knows of his daughters. They're the famous ones. The three Song, they call it a Song dynasty, his family. That's kind of funny. Uh, his, his kids are that influential. Earl, <clears throat> Earl loves people for a long period of time, people that are difficult to love, and it's amazing to see, and they love him back. Trust me, they're his friend too. It's not a one, one-way street. And I share these stories with you, not telling you that you need to be Earl, or you need to be Charlie, no. But I hope you sense that God loves you, And if God loves you and you're a child of God, he will do special things through you, whether it's in your family or among people around you or even with those people who are in need or even being a missionary. That's our God, and he loves you that much. I hope you open your heart up to him. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you love us this much, that you gave your son, Jesus, to die for us, Help us receive that love. Help us be filled with your love. Help us know that we're children of God. We're no longer slaves to this world, to what's popular or cool or fashionable or addictive or alluring. But we're children of God with an eternal inheritance. We thank you for that. Help us live this day, this week, and this year. Let the love flow through us to those around us that you want us to love. And we ask that you would guide us in that. We don't know what to do. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Help us be full of your love and share your love with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.